Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I don't know why it's called the Life in Paradise podcast anymore, but it still is because I'm too lazy to change it. Dis irregardless, I'm your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, November 7th, 2021. It's a beautiful day outside here in South Texas. We're approaching winter, and winter for us is a low in the 40s and highs in the 60s. I cannot wait. I'm sitting in the room that I do the podcasting with all the doors open to the outside. And it's nice because the dogs can come and go as they please. But so can the flies. But luckily I have one of those assault, a fly assault guns or I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? These, these guns that load salt and you can shoot flies with them. It's by far the most effective fly killing tool available. But you did not come here to hear me talk about fly killing tools. I don't know why you came here, but you're here, so welcome. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job who has lots of opinions. So I come here about every week or two or three to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, and hopefully some you won't, because that's what makes the world go round. But either way, we can still be friends. Just don't call me stupid. You can call me whatever you want to, just spell my name right. Got a pretty good show in store for you today. I'm going to get right to it. i got a couple stories to tell. I'm going to talk about some Bitcoin. I'm going to go pretty light on the COVID, probably maybe just a little bit. So if you're getting COVID-ed out, then don't worry about it. It's going to be pretty simple, I think. Who knows? I may, I may go into a rant. You never know. Either way, thanks for tuning in to Life in Paradise podcast. Sit back, relax, and let me take over for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. What's up, everybody? I hope you're having as great of a Sunday as I am, mainly because of the weather. If you can't tell, I get real excited when the weather's nice. That's because I love being outside so much. I would rather be outside than inside any day of the week. And when we have nice weather, it makes it a lot easier to be outside. Don't get me wrong, I will still be outside in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the winter, but I get really excited when the weather's nice. And right now it's like highs in the low 70s. I cannot complain. It's clear blue, the sun is shining. I couldn't imagine living somewhere that's like cloudy and cold and gray and dark through the winter. I wouldn't want to do it. But this is not a weather podcast and you did not come here to hear me talk about the weather. I'm going to start off today's podcast with a funny story. Well, it's funny now. It was not funny at the time. So let's go back to last Sunday. If you remember, I released a podcast in the evening or afternoon time. And then at about 9.30 that night, I get a phone call, or maybe it was a text, I can't remember, from our taproom manager at the brewery. She's in charge of like the bar staff and running the open hours of the taproom and some marketing and some scheduling and things like that. And so I became informed that there was, a, there was a problem on our calendar. And so originally scheduled for tomorrow, November 8th, we had a sailing group coming in. It was a, um, some sort of sailing contest. They had 200 people come into town for this thing. And so they reserved the brewery for themselves on a Monday, which were typically closed on Mondays. So they 
paid enough money to convince us to open and serve them and provide them beer and barbecue and all sorts of things. So last Sunday, we all assumed that this event, we had a week to prepare for it. And so we had slowly started making the necessary preparations and putting the wheels in motion. But I get a call Sunday night, and it's our taproom manager. And she says, hey, that sailing party that's supposed to be a week from now, yeah, it's tomorrow. <laughs> so, so what happened was somebody who was scheduled to be at the party the, on the Monday was actually in the brewery Sunday night. And they were leaving, and they told them, hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. At which point they said, no, 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 we're closed Mondays. And they said, no, no, we're coming for that sailing party. So then light bulbs started going off, and we figured out that we had less than 24 hours to prepare for a party of 200. Now, if you're not in the food and beverage industry or you've never dealt with food, which don't get me wrong, I am not encouraging anyone to get in that industry. It is a terrible, no good industry. But if you, if you haven't been... You wouldn't understand that it takes some time to prepare and to get the staff and you get the food ready and you have to order your food ahead of time so you can cook it. It's typically something you would prepare for about a week. Well, we had less than 24 hours. Luckily, everybody scrambled, set the wheels in motion. The person who made the error on the calendar, who shall remain nameless for now, kind of volunteered to go up there and spend all night cooking briskets because you can't just cook briskets in six, seven, eight hours like they need 16 or the process that we use about a 16 hour process when it's all said and done so he instantly dropped what he was doing at 10 o'clock on a sunday night goes to the brewery fires up the pit starts cooking briskets luckily our main barbecue cook was there to help him and get him going but he had to stay all night and tend the fire and i tell you what we pulled it off they were happy the food was delicious everything was on time everything was well coordinated People came in on their day off, and it was super refreshing to see everyone pull together at a time of near tragedy. Man, if they would have if they would have shown up on Monday for the party and we didn't know they were coming, <laughs> that would have been so embarrassing. Our reputations on the line. I mean, you just look like you have no idea what you're doing, which some would argue that we don't, but we're figuring it out along the way. The moral of the story is you should always prepare. Just always double check your dates, but it's good to know that in a time of need, people will scramble on your behalf. That's the moral of the story. You know, the whole food element of the brewery, which we never intended to do, we had no desire to do food, but when the COVID came, all of the quote-unquote scientists figured out that you could not get COVID if you're sitting down eating. The COVID goes right over your head. So they would allow people to open as long as they were serving food. So we thought, well... It's either we figure out how to sell food or we go out of business. So we figured out how to sell food. Well, we're still figuring it out. We started selling food. And the food industry is so tough. There's a few reasons why. And I've learned my lesson. I used to think, oh, it'd be so cool to like own a restaurant and, and be creative and do a creative menu and just change it up all the time. And let me tell you, look, if you've never run a restaurant, I would advise you just to keep your mouth shut. Not because it's hard, it's not difficult. For me, it's frustrating. And I know this is probably gonna offend some people, but if, you, if you'll give me a chance to explain myself, maybe we can get on the same page. So restaurants typically, their employees are, are kitchen skilled workers who have not made it to like a career yet. So they're kind of transitioning 
between high school and college, after college, they're getting ready to t- start a career, or people who are just younger and they want to end up in the position of a chef, but they have to work their way up. So, so it's difficult to find people who are motivated to do the right thing. And I don't know why those people fall into the area of kitchen, but it's been my experience. I'm not generalizing. I'm not making stereotypes. This has been, I've seen this with my own eyes. It's been very, very difficult to find people who stay motivated to do things well, to do the right thing for more than about three months. So what I've started doing is when we hire someone, they have to sign a contract saying that they can be let go within 60 days for no reason whatsoever. Because what can happen if you don't do that is you get roped into leaving an employee on board because you don't want them to go file unemployment. So it's really a bad system, in my opinion. The, the way that unemployment works and how liberal they are with, with giving people money after they get let go is, you know, some may say that it motivates employers to fire people or to not fire people without reason. But I think it's gone so far that it motivates employers to not let people go. And the byproduct of that is just having bad employees and bad employees infect other employees. And it, it can get real nasty real quick. Anyway, all that to say this, we had an employee in the kitchen who was going downhill. And it's been my experience that once someone starts going downhill, there's no turning back. You don't, you don't motivate someone after they're in a slump and they've already decided they don't like the job. They don't like their boss. Their boss is younger than them. And I tell you what, I have seen some petty, petty behavior from these people who they're supposed to be grownups. They're supposed to be career oriented. They're getting paid triple minimum wage, something like that. I'm not bragging, but I'm saying that the pay is good. The pay is good. You, you could live, and we, we have people who do, on the amount of money that we pay. So it's a livable wage, according to whoever you ask. So we had an employee who's on the downhill slide. I told the kitchen manager, I said, look, he's gonna, it's going to be a matter of time before you have to let him go, so you might as well just do it now. But I wanted him to operate on his own timeline. I said, look, whenever you make this decision, you have my support. I'll support you. Well, yesterday rolls around. The guy was late. He didn't show up. I don't know. Nothing ever surprises me anymore. You know, I just, I think back to when I was 22 to 28 and I just, I wanted to do the best job I could possibly do. I wanted to impress my boss. I wanted them to think that I did good. I wanted to be on time. I never wanted to be late. I never wanted anyone to have to worry about whether or not I was going to show up. And it blows my mind that how opposite some people can be. So yesterday rolls around, this particular guy, I don't know, I think he showed up late, didn't show up, whatever. He ended up getting fired. So he immediately sends me a text, which is, I'm the boss of his boss, technically. But, you know, I try to maintain a relationship with the guys in the kitchen and joke around with them and respect them. And I tell them hi in the morning. I tell them bye when I'm leaving. I run in there to get lunch. Every now and then I'll get a snack and... You know, I talk to him. I, I really do care about them. And so this punk, I'm going to call him a punk because that's what he is, just always running his mouth, jibber-jabber, always talking, never on time, always late, looks sloppy, shirt untucked, basketball shorts down to his knees after he's been told not to wear basketball shorts, always got a key lanyard dangling from his neck, which, whatever, if it's your fashion, I don't, I don't care, whatever. Either way, this punk has the audacity to send me a text message I said, hey, I would like to talk to you about being let go. And so I thought, dude, I get like half a day off a week. It's like 5 o'clock on a Saturday. 
the last thing I want to do is get into a text fight with some employee about his job when he could, ju- he could just go down the street and find another job. So I didn't respond. I, I thought about how I wanted to deal with it, and I thought, I'm not ready to respond yet. Well, fast forward about three and a half hours, and he sends me this text message. Well, I decided I'm not going to read it. It's, it's too long and boring, and there's, there's not enough punctuation for me to be able to read it and sound good. So just picture a text message that's like super long, and instead of using like Y-O-U, they use the letter U. Instead of typing out T-O-O, they insert the number two. None of the I's are capped. Okay, so anyway, you get the idea. It's tough to read. And this individual goes off saying, well, I guess you're not going to get back to me. You're too busy worrying about your money and, and not what people think about you and just goes on and on and on. You know, you don't care about us. You make so much more money than we do. <laughs> and I just laughed when I read this. I thought, who does this guy think he is? He originally texted me at 5.30, asked if he'd talk to me. And then it was like 9.08, and he's blasting me for not getting back to him. And so I just, I didn't respond. And then he responds later. I could have made you so much more dollar sign running that kitchen. These people, these people don't understand how to get ahead in life. And it's not their fault. It's their parents' fault. Their parents failed to teach them how to properly communicate with your boss. What might happen if you don't go to work? What will happen if you don't show up on time? How to ensure that you get a raise? What to do to make sure your job cannot be replaced with someone else whose resume is on my desk? You know, I don't understand why we don't teach these things. Why don't parents teach their children this? And I know not everyone's the same. Not everyone's driven. Not everyone has work ethic. But don't we all agree that we know the keys to success? We know what it takes to be successful in life. And, and I don't just mean like by having lots of money. Success can mean a lot of things. It can mean having children who go on to make good grades and excel in sports. Success can mean working five days a week and taking two days off to do exactly what you want to do. Success has many, many definitions, but it all boils down to a few things. And that's upholding commitments, treating people with respect, hard work. And yes, you can get wealthy without working hard, but typically... Generally speaking, if you work hard, you will find success in in combination with these other things. And that's really about it. And none of those things take a rocket scientist. It doesn't take, you don't have to be a gifted individual. This country is set up to allow people to be successful and accumulate wealth and be happy in their life if they just do a few things. And it really makes me sad when I see these kids and we've probably gone through 50 people in the last year through the kitchen. And it makes me sad to see these kids who don't understand that. And I'm not their parent. I'm not going to teach them. You know, I try to give them little lessons along the way. And it's obvious which of these kids have been taught and which of these kids haven't. And the ones who have been taught, they get raises. They make more money. They get more hours. They get invited to come to special events. Those who don't, we figure out how to cut their time. We cut them back on hours. We don't allow them to go to events because we don't approve of the way that they interact with people. And it's, it's so tough because you can't explain to these people that they don't understand how to interact with people. Think about how offensive that would be if someone told you that. So this whole retail experience has really brought light to, to me and my, I was in the shadows. I was in the dark. I had never dealt with a 
with a retail business before. I'd never owned one. I never operated one other than like working in high school, college, whatever. But to see the, the way that the general public acts, number one, in the form of customers and the way that they also act in regards to employees. And I really do feel sorry for them because they don't understand why things are difficult for them. And the only mentality that they can grab is that they're a victim and that people are out to get them and people don't like them and people are jealous of them. When in reality, all of their misfortune is due to bad decisions and mistakes they've made along the way. Unfortunately, no one has taught them how to learn from them, so they continue to make them over and over again. Or they have parents who never figured it out either. And so it's just a vicious cycle. And I think that this is where the wealth gap comes from. It's not from people saying, I ain't going to hire no black woman. It's from parents who don't raise their kids right. And then they have kids who don't act right. And then they have kids who don't act right. And they've never been taught how to make decisions. Okay, so then you've got the other group who they do teach their kids how to make decisions. They do instill values. And remember, I'm speaking in generalities. There's always anecdotes. But you have the parents who do teach their kids things. And so what you tend to see is the, the kids who have been raised to thrive, they, they breed, they breed, who's a dog person around here? They marry people that have similar values to them. It's very, very rare that you'll see a pretty woman type situation where you have a successful person marrying a, a streetwalker, you know? So this continues that gap. Because no one's crossing over the lines. There's no, there's no one meeting in the middle. And so you have money that stays with money and you have poverty that stays with poverty. So the only thing that can happen is that wealth gap gets bigger and bigger. What's the solution to that? Who knows? If we can figure that out, we'll be all set. But in my opinion, freedom is the ability for people to make bad decisions and people to make good decisions. I don't think we should supply anything to anyone other than opportunity and some good infrastructure. Once again, it comes down to values. It comes down to, you know, I, I say this, the, the probably the most single deciding factor, if you want to pick one thing, one thing that most common denominates whether someone is successful in life or what we call unsuccessful, and what I, let me just define unsuccessful. Unsuccessful is grinding it out in a job you hate, always being poor, never being able to get ahead, um, in debt, in and out of jail, these are things that I correlate with unsuccessful. Um, laziness, you know, all these things. So if I could pick one thing, if I had to pick, the general correlation is whether or not someone was read Baby Einstein when they were a little kid. And I know that seems kind of silly, and obviously the, the details matter, but I really do think that children who have tons of parental interaction do better. And I don't mean like giving them an iPad while the parents is watching, I don't know, whatever parents watch, Beverly Hills stay-at-home wives or whatever it's called. Okay, I'm kind of getting the feeling that I'm rambling here, but the, the whole idea is that, like, just take care of your kids. Take care of your kids, and they won't, they won't be in a position to get fired on a Saturday and text their boss's boss all these bad things about him. They won't do that. They will know that they screwed up if they got fired, and hopefully they won't get fired. I don't know why I went off so long about that, but I did. That's how I feel. I also think that we should teach kids finance in school. Why do we teach children? Did I already talk about this? I can't remember. We teach children 12 years of history. We don't teach them anything about finance. 
To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Teach the kids about finance. The sooner you put your money to work for you, the wealthier you will be in life. And, and I wish someone had told me that when I was 21 years old, graduating college. Hey, dude, I know you want to spend the money. I know you want to go out there and buy the boats and you want to do all this work to your truck and you want to buy all the toys and the four-wheelers and, and the campers and you, I know you want all that, but just take a portion of it. You can still buy some of it, but take some out now, start investing, put it away, and you can retire by the time you're 50, you know, or 45. Who knows? I don't know. But I know that money goes a long way the earlier you start. And I used to think that it was a job of the parents to teach your kids about money. But now I think, why couldn't it be? Why can't finance be a subject in high school? Maybe it's too complicated. I don't know. I'm just a dog trainer, not a parent. So obviously, I know nothing about kids. And if you ask some of my friends, I would try to put a shot collar on them and shove them into a crate. But if you think about like kids who are phenomenal golfers or kids that are great baseball players or piano players or cello or whatever, you always hear the same statement. Dude, he is so good at fill in the blank. And typically they'll say, yeah, <laughs> he started when he was three. You know, you hear about a race car driver who, you know, this, this kid comes up through the ranks and he destroys everyone. He's a better race car driver than all the rest of them. Come to find out his dad had rigged up a little a little car that was simulated a video game before he could even walk, and the, the kid figured it out, and then he was in a little go-kart his whole life. And luckily, the kid loved it, so it wasn't forced on him. That same thing could be, be applied to business and understanding finance. I mean, think about if, if Elon Musk had a son, and from day one, Elon started teaching that person everything that he knew. Now, there are some genetic differences, obviously, but I think that's something that people overlook. I think figuring out what kids like at a very, very early age and letting them run with that is super, super valuable. But once again, I'm just a dog trainer. I don't know anything about kids because dogs aren't kids, Brandon. You can't treat kids like they're dogs. You know what today was? Today was the day of the clock change. <laughs> the day that a small percentage of the world randomly adjusts their clocks in the middle of the night so that everyone can be confused the next day, so that some people can be early to work, sometimes people can be late to work, but you know what? We've just, we've just been doing it because we've always done it, and we're going to do it because we just what we do. We just change the clocks twice a year. So stupid. This is so dumb. This falls into the theory of the apes. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it very, very quickly. There was an experiment done. It was a cage full of apes. There was a big platform where a bunch of bananas were stored. There was a ladder that led up to the platform. When they originally put the bananas in there, they let an ape climb up there, and they hit him with a huge water hose, a fire hose, and knocked him off the, off the platform. They kept doing it. The, the apes kept trying. They sprayed him and knocked him off, sprayed him and knocked him off. Eventually, they started taking out an ape that had seen the spraying and putting in an ape that had not seen the spraying go down. Eventually... All of the apes had been changed out, and no ape had ever seen the water hose spray the other apes. So, they still developed a culture of trying to stop each other from going up there. Because as they would bring in a new ape, the old apes had seen the guys be sprayed, and so they stopped them. They physically stopped them from going up there because they did not want them to get sprayed. This happened even after none of the apes had seen the water hose spray any of the other apes. So we call this the theory of the apes. This is the idea of continuing to do something because you've always done it. And my theory is we don't need to move the clocks. We don't need to change them. 
Just pick one and let it go. There's no one that benefits from a time change. Nobody. In fact, I was thinking the other day, why can't the entire world go to one clock? Zulu time or zero zero GMT. And people automatically, they think, well, you can't do that. You have different time. Go to bed at a different time. It doesn't matter what the numbers on the clock say. When it's dark, you go to bed. Four hours after it's been dark, you go to bed. Leave somewhere, and it takes me three hours to get there in an airplane. Then I land three hours later, and you don't have to do all of this. Oh, local time zone adjust. They recognize daylight savings. They don't. We got some time zones in the Middle East that are only 30 minutes off. It's crazy. It's crazy how much trouble we go through and how many mistakes are made and how much stuff gets messed up. If you think that we, just, just living our little lives, sometimes show to work up late, sometimes we go early when the time changes, we never really know what to do, that happens on a big scale all the way up. Just, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear how much money was lost because of the stupid time changes. Ugh. And I'm getting messages on my phone to start shopping for early Black Friday right now. <laughs> what, what is happening? What chapter are we in? of this book that we're writing. Have I mentioned today that you should go buy some Bitcoin? Oh, I haven't? Okay, well, you should go buy some Bitcoin today. Not some, but a lot. As much as you can afford to. Actually, do not listen to me. That is not financial advice. If you don't feel comfortable buying Bitcoin, then don't do it. But if you do feel comfortable, buy as much as you can afford. The reason that came up is because over the weekend, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla suggested that he sell off some of his stock in order to pay some capital gains tax. Now, if you're not familiar with capital gains tax, it's just a tax that you pay whenever your money makes you money. So if you have an investment of 100 bucks and it turns into 150, you have to pay a percentage of that 50 bucks back to the government. Oh, why, might you ask? <laughs> Nobody really knows. I guess because they provided the environment for you to profit, so they're owed money, I guess. That would be like the casino taking a percentage of your winnings because they gave you the place to play. Isn't that funny? So I'm going to talk a little bit about capital gains tax and Elon's latest tweet. So a lot of people talk about millionaires and billionaires and how they don't pay their fair share and they don't pay income tax. You've heard it all before. There's a couple issues that I have with this. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but after you get to a certain point, you don't make your money off of income. You're not an income earner. So the income tax is designed to tax people for their labor, for their, their, their inputting their time into a company. The business is compensating them for that time. And so that's their earnings. That's how much money they, they make. And so income tax is based on that. Well, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon and large shareholder, makes $80,000 a year. And so he doesn't pay, doesn't pay many taxes on that. Now he pays the capital gains tax if he, if he sells stock or options or any of his equity, he pays the capital gains tax on that. So the idea is that once you get to a certain point, your money is working for you and you're living off of your capital gains. So your money is becoming more valuable faster than you can spend it that makes sense. So if you put $100,000 in, or let's just say you put a million dollars into an investment and you're making 10% a year, that's a hundred grand a year that, you're, that, that your money is just spitting out at you. You can either reinvest it, let, let it ride, 
or you can pull away that $100,000 every year and live off of it. And when you do that, you don't pay income tax. You pay a capital gains tax. So I get sick of these people like Bernie Sanders saying that the billionaires need to pay the fair share. Okay, let's talk about that. What is their fair share? Well, whatever a billionaire is paying in taxes, someone out there is going to think it's not enough because they're a billionaire. And so you have people like Pocahontas, which is Elizabeth Warren, in case you didn't know, who claimed to be <laughs> an American Indian, but she wasn't. We don't know why these people lie about this kind of thing. If it was so tough to be an Indian, why would you lie about being one? Either way, she says that we should start taxing people on unrealized gains. So what that means is if I have a million-dollar investment and it gains 30%, now I have a $1.3 million value. Now, that's unrealized. If, if I buy stocks and the stocks are worth that, but I have not sold them, it's called unrealized. The gains become realized once you cash out and you sell them because what can happen is the value fluctuates. So, yeah, it might be worth $1.3 million today, but it might go down to $1.2 tomorrow, $1.45 the next day. Who knows? So these people that don't understand finance, we're, we're talking about taxing unrealized gains. This mainly pertains to people when they die. Let's not go there for now. Let's just stick to this idea. So Elon Musk, being the, the brilliant guy that he is, decided he wanted to sell some of his stock, partly because the stock is extremely high right now of Tesla, and he knows he could cash out and get a lot of money. I'm not talking about a lot. He's talking about 10%. So 10% of Elon Musk's stock is worth about $30 billion. $30 billion. And so if he were to sell that, he would pay capital gains on whatever the difference was which of, of what his investment was to what it's worth now. So he tweeted out, with all this talk about unrealized capital gains tax, perhaps I should sell 10% of my Tesla stock and pay some fair share of capital gains tax. Well, if you know Elon, you know he's a genius. I mean, nobody really. I don't know him, but I know what he does and how he operates. And so what he wanted was a way to sell his stock and not be chastised by the people, the shareholders who bought the stock. Because what happens if, if he sells a large portion of his stocks, it floods the market with stocks and the value goes down. Think about supply and demand. When you have a lot of supply of something, the price goes down. So he floods the market, his, the stock price falls, everyone gets mad because it caused their stock price to fall, or their stock value of the stocks that they owned. So he took to Twitter and said, I'm going to do this poll. If you, all, if you guys vote that I sell some shares and pay my fair share of tax, then I'll do it. If not, then I won't. And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. So I expect to test the price to drop 20% on Monday. We'll see. For me, it's just an opportunity to buy more. I'm not scared one bit. So for everyone out there, your goal should be to make money with capital gains. To accumulate money while you're young and while you can work, Put that into a vehicle that earns you money until you get to a point that that vehicle is spitting out money faster than you can spend it. The sooner you figure this out, the sooner you teach your kids this, the better off they'll be. I kind of want to go back to the whole line of, quote, paying your fair share and, and dissect that a little bit. Because what people don't realize is that a, a vast majority of the super wealthy pay a majority of the taxes. I don't know the exact statistic, but I think it's something like the top 1% of people with the highest net worth pay 50% of the country's taxes. 
Now, they may not pay an income tax, but they're paying taxes everywhere else. Everything they buy, when you buy a jet and it's got an 8% sales tax, or if you buy a casino and you're paying property tax, you're paying taxes. So lots of these people pay taxes, although they don't pay a lot of income tax. So it's very, very misleading. And I'd be mad if I were a billionaire because, well, I would probably just show how much I paid in taxes. But the idea of paying your fair share is kind of silly. Because if, if we're talking about fair share, that means everyone should be on the hook for the same amount because we want to pay your fair share. And if you look at the income earners, I don't know what percentage pay zero tax, but there is a percentage of earners who pay no tax, and that's because their income is so low. So I'm not saying what they should or shouldn't have to pay. I'm just saying if we're going to talk about fair share, that should apply to all. Now, Let's not call it that. Let's just say that, hey, we want to take the money from the rich people and give it to the poor people. Or we want to take the money that the rich people earn, use that to build some roads. That way everyone can drive on them. And the poor people shouldn't have to pay. That's fine. Say that. But don't pass it off as paying their fair share. Because a large portion of people don't pay anything in taxes. And that's all. That's all. Let's just, if we're going to talk about fair share, let's talk about fair share. Let's not even talk about of those two income classes, which ones tend to use social services more? Because if we're going to do that, then the fair share just got way out of whack. And the people who are poorer need to come up with a lot more money because they tend to use social systems more. I feel like I'm talking extra fast today. (laughs) Maybe I am. I've got eight more minutes left and I got to start a podcast with Harry. So if you've never checked out Old Dog New Tricks, go check it out. Old Dog New Tricks podcast with me and Harry. It's pretty good. It's a perspective from an old dude, which is me. Hey, I'm 43, but these kids call me old. So it's a perspective of mine and a perspective of his. And it's, uh, it can be interesting at times. The last thing I want to talk about is privacy. And I want everyone to think about what privacy means to you, particularly in the form of, of the government encroaching on it. And I know a lot of people get mad at all the right-wing conspiracy theorists always talking about privacy and my rights and privacy and to be private. I get it. I understand that's tiresome. But if we can all agree that at some, everyone has a point at which they will think, okay, this has gone too far. And so while we can't all agree on exactly the same place and time, at which point we will all say this has gone too far, you think about what privacy has done from the 1930s to the 2000s and and leave all the yeah buts out leave just don't yeah but me yet think about all the changes in privacy that we've had and i'm not going to go sit here and list them all but you can figure it out you could do so much more in private back in the day some would say there's a reason why we don't have that privacy today and sure there might be but we as just regular old humans have to decide, do we want privacy or do we not want privacy? Do we want the ability to exchange information amongst ourselves without the government being able to see it? Do we want to have the ability of being able to move money around without the government being able to see it? Do we want to be able to sit down and eat at a restaurant without having to prove some papers that you've had some shot that only like 0.3% of the people die who catch this disease. Are you okay with that or are you not okay with that? Because if you're okay with all those things, that's fine. But you have to admit that at some point, something's going to happen that you're not going to be okay with. And what I have realized is that we need to draw that point and then think, okay, 
if this happens, it's gone too far. But we shouldn't wait until it gets to that point. We should all get on the same page now and stand up for our privacy, stand up for our rights, and push back. Because if we don't, it will just keep happening. Because if they just take a little bit of privacy each time, you're never going to cross someone's threshold, or you won't cross a lot of people's threshold at one time. Because remember, everyone has their own threshold. I remember I got into a discussion one time with my mom who thought that it was okay for the government to read our email. But then I said, well, would you like for a government official to be standing at your mailbox and every piece of mail that came, they opened it and they read it? And she goes, well, no, of course not. And my response to that is like, okay, well, then where do you draw the line? You know, if, you, if you're not okay with that, then let's start now. Let's, let's stop these people from being able to weasel their way into every single aspect of our lives. At the rate we're going... I, I could see something like this happening within the next 20 years, and I'm going to lay it out for you. If we end up moving towards a socialized healthcare system, I could see the government saying, well, you'll get a discount if you're in shape or if you work out frequently. And so the, the question of that is going to be, well, how do you prove if someone's in shape or how do you prove if they work out frequently? Well, that's simple. You just submit a video every day of you working out, and we have proof that you worked out. And so there will be people out there that are willing to do that in order to get the savings on their insurance. And what it does is exclude the people who don't want to do that. So, I don't know. I think you kind of get the picture. It's a slippery slope to giving up your privacy. Once you give it up, you never get it back. And so, I'm just encouraging everyone out there to pay attention to this. Think about the future. Think about your kids and your kids' kids. And if you want them to have the ability to sleep in their own home without being on camera. I know it seems silly now, but you know what else seemed silly 10 years ago? having to present a piece of paper saying that you had had the vaccine so that you could eat, okay? That seemed silly three years ago. And good news, the Supreme Court stayed on the mandate that the employers with 100 or more employees had to make sure everyone's vaccinated. So that's been put on hold. I'll update you guys next week on that deal. Uh, from what I understand... It now goes back to the president. He has two days to respond to the Supreme Court. Basically, what they're saying is that this mandate uh, could potentially infringe on our constitutional rights. So the Supreme Court has not examined it yet. They just said, time out. Let's figure this out. The president, you have two days to respond. So um, it'll be interesting to hear how Slurry Joe responds, but I really hope this thing gets shot down. I mean, the notion that businesses require people to have a vaccination to keep their job is just absolutely heartbreaking. And another thing I don't understand is that I've recently talked to a bunch of my friends who are left-leaning, and I have a few. I don't I say a bunch. I don't have a lot. I have a few friends who are left-leaning. We've been friends for a long time. We completely disagree about politics, but we agree on a lot of other things. So I respect their input most of the time. I respect their opinions. I'm always interested to hear it. One of the things I've been asking is, like, do you agree with this federal vaccination mandate? I haven't met one person, liberal or otherwise, who agrees with it and thinks it's a good idea. So I, then I say, well, then why don't you speak out against it? Why don't you say your opinion and, and, and let everyone know that you think it's a bad idea? And they say, well, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to, to make waves over it. It's like, whatever, if they do it, great. If they don't, great. And I thought to myself... How can you sit here and say you think it's a bad idea, but you're not willing to say that you don't support it or that you, you disapprove of it? That right there is a byproduct of our two-team binary one-and-zero political system. 
Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, we need a third party, because I don't know if that's the answer. I just know that if you look around in our society and the way life goes, there's typically like two big choices. You're either Team Ford or you're Team Chevy. You're Team Harley or you're Team Not Harley. You're Team Bitcoin or you're Team Altcoin. And so, I don't know. It's just disheartening that people are, are willing to just be quiet even though they don't agree with what their team is doing. It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. And I think it's a huge problem with the way we do politics. And the people to blame are the politicians because they know how to divide us. They know exactly what to say to get us where we're passionate about being on their team. And it works beautifully. Beautifully. Just take a time out and look around and see how these politicians sprinkle things out there that get us all riled up. A lot of times people don't even understand. They don't understand what capital gains tax is. They don't understand what fiscal policy or monetary policy is. But they're still going to argue about it. And, and, and just keep it in mind. That's all I'm saying. Every time you hear something that you think you agree with or disagree with, you should still take the time to go look it up. Don't spend time on Facebook scrolling through crap. Don't spend time liking people's pictures on Instagram and wishing you could be them. Go learn something about a politician. Go look what's up to vote in the next election and be educated. And don't just be a zombie. I mean, I don't care. If you want to be a zombie, fine. But don't come around me and try to argue about politics. Okay? Zombie face. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. I'm four minutes late. I really appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. If you're interested in advertising or a sponsorship, HMU, I got a few spots left. I'm just kidding. I have zero spots taken. Listen, I know people out there are listening who own businesses. I will advertise for free if you just tell me what to do. But you know what? If you're scared because of my opinions and you don't want me speaking for your company, it's probably a good thing that you don't contact me. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast, the only podcast on the interwebs that doesn't talk about anything in relation to its title. <laughs> I'm your host, Brandon Harper. So much. Keep it tranky low. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean, men, women, gay, straight, everyone deserves a shot. You know, you know the thing. You know what I mean. You know the thing. You know what I mean. What I have to do is I have to continue talking about the things. I came down here because I remember the first bumper sticker I saw. I learned that uh, I got hairy legs that 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 that, that, that turned blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. And I learned about kids jumping on my lap. I love kids jumping on my lap. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble, trouble. What are we nuts? Dead, dead, dead. You know, come on, man. Give me a little break here. Get a life. Taking cocaine or not? What do you think? Huh? Come on, man. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean? Come on, man. Men, women, gay, straight. Everyone deserves a shot. You know, come on, man. You know the thing. You know what I mean? You know the thing. You know what I mean? Come on, man. You have a problem figuring out what you're from me or Trump, and you ain't black. Come on, man. The corn pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. I am uh, very willing to let the public judge my physical and mental fit. My physical as well as my mental fit fitness. <laughs> Come on, man.
poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Come on, man. I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. I know a lot of weed smoke. Come on, man. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean? Come on, man. Men, women, gay, straight. Everyone deserves a shot. You know. Come on, man. You know the thing. You know what I mean? You know the thing. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Why the hell would I take a test? I am. Fuck, bro.